This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Did I do my job? Okay. I went the wrong way then. (laughs) Sorry about that. Good morning. I'm Angela. (laughs) I'm super happy to be here. I was thinking while we were uh, singing this morning, I love you. I love you. And maybe I haven't even met you yet. It doesn't change. I love you. Sonoma County, you have been a life changer to me. I cannot tell you how much you have blessed my life, how you have shaped me and changed me and helped me be so much better than I was when I moved here. And I, so it's like, I, this morning I was thinking how much I love new life. And then I thought, okay, what if somebody's in here and this like new life is not their thing? Like, no, Sonoma County, I love you. Happy Thanksgiving. I am grateful for you. Happy Thanksgiving. So uh, we are wrapping up the series. I am not ready to wrap up. It's called Peacemakers. And it purposely had the tagline, a holiday (laughs) how-to. Because, well, you're going to learn a lot more about me this morning than maybe you ever wanted to know as we talk about practical ways to make it through what can be a conflict-riddled season in our lives. And the only way I know how to talk about it is to talk about it through my experiences. So hopefully there are things here to relate to you as well. But it just might be one of those TMI mornings um, where the person who has mic shares too much. But you guys, I have heard some of your stories as well, and I think this is a timely season to be talking about what it means to be a peacemaker. And I heard something this week that helped me relate to this um, word. Peacemaker to me sounds a little bit too passive for my personality. I don't know. Maybe to you that just sounds delightfully smooth, but I am a person of action. And so peacemaking just sounds a little passive to me. But I heard Danielle Strickland this week, whoop, whoop, Danielle, talk about the way that she thinks about that. So she doesn't see it as a passive thing either. She sees it, she thinks about the phrase troublemaker. We're like, we all know somebody who's a bit of a troublemaker. Steve Fillinger, is he here? (laughs) If you know Steve... Uh, we, like a troublemaker is not passive, kind of wherever they go, trouble just sort of stirs up. It just sort of happens. It just sort of stirs up. And it's not necessarily something that they are actively working on, although some of them do. Um, trouble just sort of happens where they are. And the way Danielle described it was, that's what I dream of being as a peacemaker. That wherever I go, peace just sort of stirs up. And she wasn't talking about, like, when I go, everyone calms down. Ron Hunt. There is somebody that, like, whenever I'm around him, I just chill out just a smidge more. Like, he is that kind of peacemaker, but I can't aspire to that. He and I are not wired up the same way. Wherever I go, generally speaking, sparks fly. And most of the time, I like that. <laughs> but I, 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 when she talked about the troublemaker and how it's not an absence of conflict that makes peace, It is people who are working towards peace. Wherever they go, peace, the things of peace, the actions of peace, the work of peace is happening. And that is what I wish for us this holiday. I mean, maybe my first wish would be that your loved ones don't cause conflict. Or that you, I mean, you might be the one. (laughs) Or that you are stirring up conflict. But 
That might be my first hope for us. But then my second hope would be that we would understand peace and how to build peace in such a way that wherever we go, whenever conflict comes up, we know how there are tools of peace. We know how to make peace. So this holiday how-to should be incredibly practical. Let's just review for a second the two teachings that came before this one because they lay a beautiful foundation. We had a, oh yeah, peace is worth fighting for. I just enjoy that phrase also. It's like that speaks to action and not passivity and not holding our breath. It speaks to action. And the first speaker in this series was a guest speaker, Joel, and he had a couple of really, really awesome tools for us. One of the things that I loved, projection, a couple of things. Actually, let's just handle business right away. Could I please have some slides up here on this screen? No, I cannot. Okay. So then you and I are going to... Okay. And could we have a little bit more light in the auditorium? Because I will, I'm going to have you pull out your, your teaching notes today because we're actually going to work together on that. So go ahead and pull those out. Um, Joel talked about the bye-bye people versus the bring it on people, which I thought was really like the fight or flight. The bye-bye people are the flight people and the bring it on people are the... Um, Comfortable. They're just comfortable with conflict. I thought that concept was super helpful. <laughs> the slides and I are going to do a little dance today. <laughs> so he had talked about, he, brought, he was the first one to bring out the, the Proverbs verse that said, don't let loyalty and kindness leave you. Bind them around your neck, plant them deep in your heart. And that is a paraphrase. Um, but he started to talk about what loyalty looks like. It is a commitment to a relationship. And what I liked about that concept was most of the time when I think about peace, I don't know how you are. I think of this makes me a bye-bye kind of a person. But when I think about peace, I think about holding my breath. I just think about swallowing the tension that I am feeling or the tension that's happening in the conversation. And when he talked about loyalty, He painted a picture of how me engaging in conflict is my act of love out of commitment to that relationship. I loved that concept of loyalty. And then he talked about kindness requiring us to get past ourselves in order to get to the good of someone else. And those two concepts put together are powerful tools for being peacemakers when conflict arises. And Ron followed it up with part two that I thought was just as powerful. And there were two main things that I took away from that one, which was that normal is not necessarily healthy. For some of us, the pattern of conflict in our extended family or in our work relationships, this does not have to just be about family. The pattern of conflict has become so rote that we find ourselves not even fighting against it. It's just like, well, this is just how this is. This is how they are. This is just how the holidays are. This is just how our work relationship is. That because it is normal, that sometimes we assume it is healthy and that we just leave it be. But we all desire for health. We all want to have relationships that are that. And I thought that was really helpful to point out that just because it's normal to us doesn't necessarily make it helpful or healthy. And then the other concept that he brought to the table was we cannot make peace out there in our relationships if we are not carrying peace in here. 
And I thought that is one of the most practical tools when it comes to peacemaking, is peacemaking is a thing that I do long before the conflict arose. Peace is a thing that I carry with me. Peace is a thing that I press into my faith to find. And I loved that concept. So if you haven't heard the first two teachings in this series, I highly recommend. There's a link at the bottom of our notes this morning. Go back. It's totally worth it. You don't have to have those concepts deeply for us to talk about today. But they're so colorful as we discuss what peacemaking is. And when I was thinking about how to wrap this up, I just thought, which is why I have this stool out here, like, I just want to get practical. I just want to sit down and talk turkey about peacemaking. Like, how do we get, like, happy Thanksgiving? <laughs> talk turkey. Let's talk turkey. Um, I prefer roasted. I don't know about you. Smoked. Is that me? Can I not sit down? I am causing all kinds of problems today. I'm so sorry. Remember how I said sparks tend to fly? <sighs> Welcome to the fire, people. <laughs> okay, am I okay? We'll try. All right, sit very still. I just want to sit down and relax together. That's the irony of this. <laughs> it's like, let's just talk practically. Let's just talk practically about how to prepare ourselves for the conflict that is coming. And I feel like the first two teachings in this series moved our hearts to a place where we want to pursue peace. I thought they did such a good job of moving our hearts. I want to engage our brains this morning. I want to actually walk us through uh, <clears throat> five different things that we can do, and they're chronological. Like, it's a little bit, we're going to work it a little bit like a workshop. Um, so, a couple of things. I, I highly recommend you pull out your teaching notes and your pencil that's in your seat back in front of you. Let's go back and review the verses from Proverbs just to lay a foundation for this conversation. And let's do it not just the paraphrased way. <laughs> Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep in your heart. Planting was also a good idea. <laughs> Write them deep within your heart. I love this. Neither of them used this next verse. This is the very next verse in Proverbs. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Okay, I like that. That is a good incentive for us to press into this idea of love and kindness. So what we're going to do this morning is a whole bunch of identifying in order to become peacemakers. So this is where your notes become handy. And I didn't bring myself a pencil, but we'll be okay. The first step I'd like you to do is close your eyes. I'm actually going to pray us into this thing, if you don't mind. God, we're going to dig this morning because we want to carry peace with us but we also want to have tools in our tool belt for when conflict arises. And the truth is, if we could do this on our own, we probably would have done it already. It's not for lack of desire. It's sometimes for lack of know-how, sometimes for lack of resources, sometimes for lack of, of inviting you into the moment. So this is us right now just acknowledging that we have access to you, this is us acknowledging that you can do things for us that we cannot do in self-reliance. This is us vulnerably just saying to you that we would like help. 
And then this is also us just asking for help. I mean, it's obvious to ask for your help in the conflicts that are coming. But actually, I want to ask, we want to ask that even as we dig to try to identify these things, we want to ask for your help in finding the things that we need to name, in finding the solutions that we're going to seek for. Um, So much of the conflict that we will experience is already a pattern that we have already experienced, and therefore our hearts may want to try to hide some of the memories that we need in order to be effective in this identifying process. Would you whisper into our ears as we ask ourselves these questions, would you help us find the answers? Would you whisper personalized things that memories would surface or ideas would come that we could feel like, I didn't think of that, I've never thought of that before, that we would know that you were in us and with us and in it with us as we attempt to become peacemakers, to walk in our relationships in the way that we saw Jesus. He didn't hold his breath all the time. He made peace actively. And we want some of that in our lives. So would you just partner with us in the next few minutes while we dig and identify and and acknowledge? Would you help us beyond what we could do ourselves here, but then also in the conflicts that we will encounter? It's in Jesus' name who we are trying to emulate just a smidge. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to lean into that. I, what I'd like you to do is identify. Now, you are welcome to make a private office. You know, in elementary school, they like set up little barriers on their desks so they can't cheat on each other's tests. Fine, you can be as private as you want. But I'd highly recommend, as we talk through the rest of this morning, that you get in your mind's eye an event or a relationship that you want to be a peacemaker in, that you're looking to make peace and it could, I say event or relationship because sometimes it's a person's face that comes to mind that you're like, golly, every time we, this happens. And sometimes it's a specific event. For some people, it's their company party <laughs> that goes a little awry. Like sometimes it's an event, a family reunion, sometimes. So I think it would be super helpful if you get into your mind's eye an event or a relationship. And it does not have to be limited to the holidays. It can go well beyond that. It can be something that you'll deal with daily. It's That's fine. But the rest of what we do is going to be incredibly practical, and it will apply to other relationships or other events, but I think it would be helpful for us to walk through this exercise with something specific in mind. So if you're game for it, you can jot that down. It's the context for the rest of what we will be talking through this morning. So step one for being peacemakers is identifying that there is a relationship or an experience that you have coming that you want to be a peacemaker in. That right there, that holds power. That holds power to admit that there is a relationship that you actually need to put some effort into. The next thing I would recommend is that we identify the history. And let me give you a couple of examples of what I mean by that, because context makes a big difference. In that relationship, you may say, well, what happens? Here's what the history is. We blow up. Somewhere in the midst of Thanksgiving dinner, clash happens. Or actually, our kids clash. That's a thing. Every time we get together with the cousins, the cousins clash. Or uh, we don't clash, but when I get home, I am full of toxicity, and I just want to puke all kinds of gross things out because I have swallowed too much 
yuck, while we were at that event. Or we wear each other out. We do fine for the first two hours, but that last hour, we're just at each other. Or the alcohol kicks in. Anybody else? Alcohol plays a role in the event or, the, or a relationship. Or, like all good conversation pieces, I've left an other. <laughs> it may not be on that list. I would highly recommend with that mind's eye towards the relationship or the event, what is the history that you can probably expect? It is predictive of what is to come. And I've put some ideas just to get the ball rolling, but you know. I don't know. You know. So I would jot that down or check that box. What is our history? I'll give you a couple of examples off of this list. Anybody else's family, board games bring out the beast? I come from a highly competitive family. And uh, board games are like a thing that we love. But in the past, they have caused me some problems. That, that has been a history. Now, you can talk about why that history is. But the reality is, when board games come out, I generally need to be doing some internal work about my expectations. I have friends that when they go visit family... The history is conflict with their extended family. They choose not to share housing space. They don't sleep on the couches and the floors of their family's house because they know that their history is clash. Like they have taken evasive action is what I would call that. They have properly identified we have a history of clashing and here's something we can do about that. So what is the history? But that's the what. That's not the why. And I think the why is incredibly helpful. So I think step number three is identifying the peace stealers. That's on the back side of your notes page. It just keeps going. Identifying the peace stealers. And again, I'm going to give you some examples, but there's another blank right there for you. Um, also maybe worth noting is that the peace stealers is never your uncle's name. That is not an appropriate identification of what is stealing peace from your life. Is never someone else's name. You'll notice there's a lot of eyes on this list. Because the truth is, and we have all experienced this both positively and negatively, conflict can be happening, but we are not stealing the peace. We are bringing the peace. So this isn't going to be a matter of someone else's name. What happens that has us fight? What is that? So a couple of the options are, I bring blank when they are blank. So I may bring bye-bye, but I am interacting with someone who brings bring it on. And that's what's stealing our peace, is we're not speaking each other's language when it comes to conflict. Or I come to family events on empty, so I'm just a little sensitive. Like, that steals the peace from our relationships. Or in the past, I have peace kept instead of peace made. And if you don't know what I mean by the difference between those things, go back to part number one. Joel talks about the difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker, and it is night and day. When we peacekeep, it steals our peace, both in that moment and in the moments to come. So it's possible part of what's stealing our peace is that we have a pattern of peacekeeping. Or I'm holding a grudge. I violate myself. I, I think while I am talking out loud, I am discovering how much of a buyer I am. So much of my history when I come into conflict in the holidays is related to the fact that in previous holidays, 
I have violated myself, that I have been inappropriately interacted with, and I have not chosen to engage, to keep, uh, to make peace. So I have gone home having violated myself. I have swallowed too much and become toxic, and then I'm holding a grudge. So it's like all kinds of things are linked together there for me as a buyer. So one of the things that steals peace is I may be walking in not just at empty because I'm tired, I could be walking in with a whole bunch of baggage behind me that is also stealing peace and is just waiting for the smidge of conflict to happen for me to either continue my pattern of violation or for the rest of you who are buyers, do you not have the pattern that is hold your breath until you blow it up? Anybody else got that pattern? Like, it's like we could only hold our breath so far before all of a sudden we become the bring it honors, but we're like taking it to them. It's, it's not just like bring it out. It's like, I'm coming at you. Um, so I violate myself. That might be one of the peace stealers, or I have tried to do this alone. One of the things that steals my peace is I am having a real difficulty. It's a legitimate difficulty, and I'm just trying to do it alone. And either I am not engaging people around me who could help, or for those of us who are Jesus followers, we have access to principles and to a power for peacemaking that we are not tapping into because sometimes we just get to, it's like, this is earthly conflict. This is earthly conflict. And we don't think about the fact that we have divine partnership. So that might be, there's just a list of peace dealers, but you know you. You might have something else to put in that other's category. When I was thinking through some of the peace stealers, I've already given you some examples of how I have violated myself. My family are a whole lot of extroverts, a whole lot of people people. And when it comes to holidays, we love to share the holidays. But there was a season where we were sharing the holidays with a lot of other people, like big groups of people every single holiday. And I was peacekeeping and not speaking up because it was clear everybody else in the family loved it but it was not going well for me. And so part of what was happening in our family conflict, I wasn't blessedly fighting with the guests. That's great news. <laughs> but what was causing conflict in our family is that I was peacekeeping, but I was angry at my family for setting up an environment that I was not doing well with. That is what it means to peacekeep, but also that is what I mean by peace stealers. I was not bringing my experience to the table. I was not trusting my family to give them the feedback that we needed to talk through in order to set up an environment that actually worked. Additionally, another piece stealer for me has been that my extended family, my local family is just a beautiful thing. I love them dearly. And I love my extended family as well. But my extended family makes me feel invisible. I come, I'm fourth generation pastor but I am first-generation female pastor from a long lineage of people that do not believe that women can be pastors. And so we would get to these family functions, and nobody knows how to talk to me. Because the family where they are from, women's jobs, your role, your definition of femininity is to have kids and to care for your kids and care for your husband. And I have a husband, which puts me in the club just a smidge, but we haven't been able to have kids. And so right there, I've lost a whole lot of footing with my extended family, and I'm unable to converse because they don't really know what to talk to me about. And then on top of this, I am really messing with some things by being a pastor. 
And that adds another level of discomfort. Now, it's really tempting for me to say that my peace stealing is my extended family. It's really easy to look at that. But what I needed to look at was the number of things that I was doing on this list. It's not just one. I don't know if you're going to mark two, three, four, five on there. But what was stealing my peace was hiding who I am from my extended family in order to make them feel comfortable. What was stealing my peace was not conversing with my extended family about who I am, even if it, 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 it provides some controversy. What was peace stealing was what I was bringing to the table, not what they were bringing to the table, or what I would actually say is what I was not bringing to the table. It was a game changer for me to invite my local family into my experience so that they could help me navigate those waters in my extended family. So just on this list, I was violating myself. I was definitely holding a grudge. I had totally peace kept, and I had tried to do it alone. It's so easy for us to look at our conflicts and say, well, they're bringing it to the table. And while I disagree with my family, my extended family who thinks I I shouldn't be doing this thing that I am called to, that is not what is stealing my peace. What's stealing my peace is what I'm bringing to the table. So I think identifying our peace stealers is a huge piece of finding a healthy way to engage in conflict a healthy way to transition from being a peacekeeper to a peacemaker. Because you can only imagine, if I am carrying this all around, I mean, I've already listed like four or five on there. If I am carrying that with me into every conflict, then my heart mistakenly believes in order to be a good Christian, I'd better not open my mouth. Because if I open my mouth, what is coming out? Yuck! Yuck is coming out. My grudge is coming out. My sense of being a victim, my blame of them, my lack of forgiveness, my disappointment in me violating myself. So mistakenly, I have thought, and I think we think, that being a good Christian is being a peacekeeper, is keeping our mouths closed. But what I would think God would say to us, what Jesus seemed to do was keep his internals clear and clean and baggage-free, so that when he opened his mouth, even if it was a controversial thing, when he opened his mouth, out could come things that were fighting for peace, that showed loyalty to that relationship. And he had the heart space to be kind because he wasn't toxic in there. I think this is a huge piece for us, finding success in conflict, holidays or not, extended family or not. Identifying our peace stealers is a huge piece of that puzzle. I'd like to move on to step four. Are, we, are you tracking with me okay? I, your eye contact would suggest that you are totally picturing how this plays out in your life. But now I feel like maybe we should just sit in silence for 30 seconds before we move on to step four. Step four is identifying the prep. Now that I know what happens... And I have some sense of why this happens. Then what could I do to prepare myself? What can I do? And I've already given a couple of examples of how I have walked this out. But knowing myself is a huge piece to that puzzle. What is triggering me? How do I respond when I'm triggered? What is happening inside of me when my extended family makes me feel invisible? Who? I am kind of agreeing with them that it is okay that I be invisible because me being me is causing too much controversy. 
Oh, no. No, like you can see that's just rubbish. Like you can see that, but we have our own. We need to know ourselves. The Bible calls us to pray for our enemies. You guys, even if you cannot get your uncle's name off of your identify your peace stealers, (laughs) even if you had to write his name down, you as a Jesus follower are called to pray for your enemies. And it is not pray to smite them. Or pray that they get food poisoning and can't come to the event. Like, no, no. (laughs) Prayer. If you don't know what I mean by prayer, go back. We did a Way to Pray series earlier this year that would apply beautifully here. It is a conversation, an honest and real vulnerable conversation with God. And it may include, God, I do not know how to, uh, to forgive. I don't know how to get rid of this grudge. I don't know what to do about this. It's pray for them, even if you see them as your enemy. Spend some time conversing honestly. It pisses me off that they don't ask me any questions. That hurts like the dickens. I just want to borrow my nieces and nephews to have something to engage with. I'll tell you, I look like the number one auntie on the planet when we go to these extended family things because I want to engage with the kids because they don't make me feel invisible and it's really fun. So I look like I'm an auntie on crack. Really? (laughs) Okay. That is descriptive, not prescriptive, people. (laughs) But if you knew what was happening inside of me, it's heartbreaking to watch me engage with the children instead of with the rest of my family. It's actually sad. It's an escape route for me. I would like to be praying. I would like to know myself. I need to come with margin. I need to come to these events with margin. I did ask for assistance. I could, my, my immediate family could not believe that that is what I was experiencing. And as soon as I said it out loud, they all said, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. I just never thought of it from that way because they're not experiencing it. It's a fundamentally different thing for just my sister. Like we're two years apart in age and she's having a fundamentally different experience because she's a teacher that they just, that is a Christian woman's calling in their book. Like this is the thing. And she's a mom. And then make a plan. For some of us, that plan needs to be, Jason and I have totally done this. Lovey, we need to leave this event at 8.30 no matter how I try to convince you to stay. Because it's going better than I expected. It's going so marvelously that it's like, no, 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 I know we said we're going to leave at 8.30, but I'm actually having fun. Like, let's stay. And then all the wheels fall off at night. So we have, so two things. The plan has been, let's leave at this hour, no matter how I'm feeling. Let's leave while it's good. Secondly, don't let me talk you out of this. Like, that is also a plan that we have made. Like, help me help myself. So that's an example of a plan. Um, I have one member of my family specifically that makes me feel really small, just insignificant. Honestly, the word picture that I have is that stupid mosquito that is like around your head. That is what this person makes me feel like. Like I am just an annoying little noise that is really not worth their time and that they are kind of internally swatting at me. Dude, I got to prep for that. I got to prep 
how, because the vast majority of the time, what happens when that happens, because of the role that they play in my life, I tend to agree with them and I shrivel up into a corner. I am insignificant. I don't want to engage. I'll just be quiet over here in the corner. It has taken serious prep to find a way to engage with that family member in such a way that does not agree with them about my insignificance, that owns who I am and what I have to offer and courageously brings it to the table. I will tell you my number one mode of prep, and I should have put it, it's big enough, I should have put it on this thing, counseling, you guys... I could not more highly recommend counseling. If you've never done counseling before, prepping for the holidays is a wonderful in. Like you will find rapport with your counselor instantly. They will definitely be able to relate to what you're saying. Like this is the place to start. I have not only done long-term counseling over these relationships, but I have done short-term counseling where it's like, okay, the next three counseling sessions, before I go to this family reunion, we're going to talk about this family reunion. I have to find a way to engage differently with this family reunion. Uh, Counseling, like just write it in the other category. Like just write it in because it's so stinking helpful. Also to the point, bless you. To the point of asking for assistance. I would like to take credit for this, but it's, I, I can't. I did ask for assistance by being so grouchy that my family offered me um, assistance. <laughs> but we love to do things on Sunday afternoons, and I'm peopled out and pooped out at the end of Sunday afternoons. And so I would agree to this because the idea, in theory, sounded so awesome. But then I would get there, and the wheels would fall off around 2.30. Like, I just could not hold it together anymore. And my family very lovely and gently began to offer me assistance in the form of telling me to take a nap. <laughs> well, here's what that looked like. Was as a, as a family member who wants to contribute, as a good Christian woman who feels like it is unacceptable to hide in the other room while lunch is being prepped and while the table is being set, I was in the name of good Christian character pressing past all my limits. All of them. And we now have a plan that if an event is on Sunday afternoon, Angela takes a nap. Like, that is what Angela does, because we want to love Angela, and we want her to love us. (laughs) So I don't know what you're... Identify the prep. I I don't know what that looks like. Asking for assistance has, like, 75 faces on it. Making a plan has a bunch of faces on it. But we have the ability to rationally make plans that can set us up for making peace when conflict arises. And lastly, and this is just application of all the same things, step number five is identify some solutions. I've given a whole bunch of things that have radically affected my ability to make peace during holidays and family events. Here's just a few more. Bring vulnerability. Conflict is happening Bring vulnerability. I'm sorry that this is happening and it's affecting our Thanksgiving day. I'm just sorry. That's not even a sorry that you've done something. Just bring in vulnerability to lower the RPMs of the conversation. What I hear you saying. In fact, I think I put on our notes. Oh, yeah. There's an entire teaching that we gave here at New Life on October 6th. If you don't know how to picture vulnerability, I would highly recommend that teaching straight on vulnerability. Slow the conversation down. This is a wonderful solution. Jason and I just enacted a couple uh, last week 
just slow it down. We're better peacemakers when we're not flying high on adrenaline of conflict. Slow it down. Ask specifically for help. So you know when you got CPR training, they were like, you call 911. You don't just say someone call 911. You say you call 911. When I asked my family for help with my extended family, it was a collaborative thing and it was beautiful. But there were some specific things that I asked my sister. When you see this, I need this. If you hear this, please do this. Specifics like that. Also, it could be, um, hey, when you see conflict arising, everybody wants to give a wide berth. Nobody wants to come join the rumble. You may need to ask somebody, when you see conflict happening between me and that person, would you physically just come be in the proximity? It's natural accountability, it's support, it's camaraderie, it's so helpful. But it is counterintuitive to our loved ones who want to help, right? They want to help. They just don't know what to do. So asking for assistance in that way, writing charitable assumptions, asking honest questions, being a good listener in conflict, empathizing. I'm sorry that feels like that to you. Even if that's not what I meant, I'm sorry that feels like I've felt like that before. Call a timeout. Just the rules of timeout are, if you call a timeout, you need to be the one to reinitiate. Do we know that rule? Like, call a timeout. I'm spinning out over here. I need a pause. But then you are the one to bring it back around. Also, conflict sometimes, or peace sometimes comes in the face of, I just want to tell one funny story that is like, let the Holy Spirit guide you as you're trying to make peace. I had one family member who every time we were together, they did not live nearby, every time we, li- we were together, somewhere in the day, they would need to make a comment about my weight. And it crushed me every single time. We did not have a solid relationship. We didn't have a whole bunch of rapport. And so every single time, it just shut me down. And so I had been praying about seeing this person. I had no solutions. I did not have this lovely checklist. I had no solutions. I walk in the door. They are the third person in the hug line as I walk in the door. I am not 10 feet in the door. And also this person doesn't have a big personal bubble, so they are like right here breathing their coffee breath on me. (laughs) And we hug, and then we're holding each other's shoulders, and I see him do this. And was like, nope. But I had been praying, and even though I had no solutions, and this is not the solution I would have come up with, I never would have done it, I just feel the Holy Spirit nudge me to say, blank, that's their name, blank, are you about to say something mean to me? (laughs) And guppy mouth began. Like, I... I have no idea how to answer that. And so I took that as an affirmative, that that is likely what was going to happen. And so I just said, could we skip that step this time? (laughs) Done. (laughs) It was fantastic. I was not shut down. We enjoyed each other's company the rest of the time. I think it kind of put him on notice. Like, hmm, things have changed for her. (laughs) I don't know. Like in the other... Maybe just write down, listen to the Spirit. Maybe that's your best solution, is walking in tune with what God has to say. 
To that end, friends, as we, I'm going to skip all kinds of slides, projection, just forget that. I'd like to end with a couple of truths that you may or may not know about the Christian faith. But the Hebrews had a word for peace. It's shalom. And it's not a familiar term to me. I don't spend a whole lot of time studying Hebrew culture. But the definition of shalom is this concept that God makes whole. God fills it up. God makes it all fit. God is enough. So may God's shalom be with you. When you aren't sure how to respond, what about just shooting up a panicked prayer of, I have no idea what I'm doing, God. Do you have any ideas? What about it? May God's shalom be with you these holidays. And then secondly, we're headed into Christmas. And when the angels were announcing the birth of Jesus, they introduced him as the Prince of Peace. This is your faith. This is the resource that you have available to you. This is the difference maker that allows us to be citizens that look like something nobody has seen because we carry with us a shalom that fills in our spaces but is enough to spill onto the space around us. May you be, may we be peacemakers this holiday season in any context in which we go. To that end, there's a little card. I put there in your seat backs or they were on your chairs. These are just our verses from Proverbs. And on the back, it is space for you to write what loyalty looks like to you and what kindness looks like to you as you consider being a peacemaker this holiday season. We made it so that it fits in your wallet. Maybe just carry this around. I don't know if this is a good word. Is talisman a bad word? Okay. As like a talisman, just a reminder, you open your wallet to spend money to buy a Christmas gift, and it's just a reminder to be a peacemaker, that you have God's shalom available to you. It's just a little takeaway. Here you go. With that, I will get off the stage. Ronnie, you're up. We got good stuff still coming, you guys. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.